This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3388 for Wednesday, the 28th of July 2021. Today's show is entitled Linux in Laws S01E35, the Free Software Foundation Europe, and is part of the series Linux in Laws. It is hosted by Monochromic and is about 78 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is an interview with Matthias Kirschner, Free Software Foundation Europe. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to Archive.org forward slash donate. This is Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software and the associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever fancies you tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mom! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back in an open plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusty guide dog, unless on speed, and QT Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. This is Linux in Laws, Season 1, Episode 36, the Free Software Foundation Europe. Martin, how are things? Yeah, things are great. We have sunshine and warmth and travel restrictions. Ah, but, but okay. Pubs, pubs hang on, open, hang on, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Is it, the, is it August the 13th at 12 o'clock p.m. <laughs> no, no, already? No, 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 <laughs> then it would be raining, so yeah. <laughs> it's before that, definitely. Did the Met, did the Met <laughs> Office move the summer? In Great Britain. I'm just checking this out. It's, it's, it's a little bit later this year, indeed. Okay. Uh, and how are you today? Can't complain, can't complain. I'm, and I'm more than excited to have, actually, the Free Software Foundation indeed. Europe as part on, on this podcast. A guy called Matthias Kirchner, who plays a very pivotal role at Site Foundation. Uh, Mart- uh, sorry, Matthias, please introduce yourself. Hello. Yes. Uh, thanks for having me here. My name is Matthias Kirschner, and yeah, I'm the president of the Free Software Foundation Europe. It's simple as that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody knows what the Free Software Foundation and the Free Software Foundation Europe is. We don't have to explain that. No, joke aside, for the, for the two listeners of the podcast <laughs> that do not know out of the three that 
are normally listening, that do not know what the Free Software Foundation and the Free Software Foundation Europe is. Maybe, Matthias, you can shed a little bit of light on these two organizations, their history and their differences, of course. Mm, of course. So um, the Free Software Foundation, that's our um, American sister organization, they were founded in 1985 as uh, the first Free Software Foundation that was uh, from the... Um, so first in 1983, there was the GNU project, was, which was started to build a complete free operating system so that all components of this operating system allow the users to use the software for any purpose, to uh, share it with others, to study the source code and, um, and to, um, um, uh, to improve it further, the software. And um, so they, they started with the GNU project on a technical basis. They set up the uh, Free Software Foundation as a legal entity to accept donations and to be able to um, to sell software. And then um, later, then in 2001, the Free Software Foundation Europe was founded. And uh, we were founded as an independent sister organization. So there are no um, financial or personal overlaps about those two organizations. And uh, the organization was founded to um, to build, like the, the aim was to build a network, a free software foundation network, so that each of those organizations are working for the same goals, um, go into the same direction, but can then, based on cultural backgrounds, um, approach this a little bit differently in their area. And um, yeah, so in 2001, the FSFE was founded. So this year we are celebrating our 20th birthday. And um, yeah, and since then the Free Software Foundation Europe is working to promote uh, software freedom in Europe. We um, we are a charitable, charitable organization and um, we, we have, uh, so our, our main mission is to empower users to control technology. So that's the, the rough overview, but uh, yeah, let me okay. know if I okay. should go deeper into the different work areas and <laughs> this other... sure, sure. Yeah, I'm sure we'll come to that in a minute, but I was just yeah. going to ask a question on, on your first uh, description. Uh, I mean, understand the cultural differences between the US and Europe quite <laughs> intimately myself, but um, so I, I think you mentioned that you are completely independent and have uh, your own uh, governing body and all the kind of things. Uh, do you have any kind of coordination as well in terms of uh, programs or, or um, messaging that you put out? So, I mean, usually it, it works like that, that we um, we interact with each other so that uh, like the uh, executive director at the FSF is then talking with uh, myself at the FSFE. We talk about different projects going on, let us know about uh, what is upcoming and um, then have also discussions and bring people in contact when there is something coming up. There have also been some times where this cooperation, I mean, sometimes it works better. Sometimes it works, um, it works less good depending on um, who is at the moment working on what and how much time they have available. And uh, if, if there is at the moment common interest on, on some topics or if at the moment they, focus a little bit on different areas so that that's the main uh the main cooperation there 
um, the I mean the main part which keeps the organizations together is the the same vision, the same idea where we want to go that uh, users should be con um, empowered to control technology, and then on some of those aspects there is then um, cooperation there there. Um, meetings between the organizations, but um, as there are no uh, overlapping staff or um, other um, uh, other like financial, like joint project where financials are, are distributed or so, um, there is, it's a little bit loose, looser than uh, you might uh, see in some other organizations. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like, um, uh, you, you have a lot of freedom in terms of, of what you do in uh, in Europe, and then there is no direct organizational link, right? It's, it's purely on a on a on, on a uh, conversational basis. And is there a similar kind of uh, organization in Asia, perhaps, or that you're aware of? I'm, I'm not um, personally. So, I mean, from the from the official FSFs, there is uh, the Free Software Foundation in India, um, and the Free Software Foundation Latin America. Okay. okay. The um, like the Free Software Foundation Europe and the FSF, they are the the two organizations who also have um, staff, and um, yeah, so also larger uh, finances to to pay people to work on those goals. The others are volunteer organizations at the moment. Right. So you you can presumably achieve more as well with <laughs> with permanent staff, I imagine. Yeah. Okay. And um, so you mentioned. The uh, empowering people to control technology piece there. Um, so, I, I mean, that comes down to the, to the basis of, of why, why the FSF and the FSFE exist. But um, do you want to expand on that a little bit more? Because, I mean, if, you, if we talk about technology and, and uh, people being able to, you know, uh, empower mm -hmm. people to control it, then... Uh, Okay, we are of a generation that we're all used to using technology and computers and all that kind of stuff, right? But the, let's say, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chris's uh, grandma, she probably hasn't seen a, a computer in her life <laughs> from up close. So, um, is that something she that has? You're... <laughs> but it's a <different> story. <laughs> <laughs> she she probably um was was pushed on in front of her nose. <laughs> she said, so, this thing here." Yeah. I mean, actually, that's very the, the question about that is very close to to our mission statement. In general, then it's. Uh -huh. I mean, our we are living in a world where software is uh, deeply involved in all aspects of of our life, and uh, it's becoming more and more and more and not less at the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important that this technology empowers people rather than restricts them. And um, our belief is that free software gives uh, as free software gives everyone uh, everybody the, the right to use, study, share, and improve software. Um, this then also helps to um, support other fundamental rights in society like freedom of speech, uh, freedom of press or privacy. And um, so it's, uh, I mean, f when, when I talk to people who are not so deep into the technology, I, um, I often explain it also that, I mean, we, we have um, in, in a democratic society, you distribute power. So you have different institutions like uh, the judiciary, the legislation, uh, leg legislators, uh, and the executive. Uh, you have different la layers in government, uh, like federal, states, regions, uh, 
or however they are called. And so there is some um, checks and balances uh, between those institutions. And, um, and that's something which is, which is element and, and a big um, element for, for, for democracies. Now, um, when we are living now in a world where more and more of uh, things around us are um, decided by by computer and uh, uh, by by software, and there are computers all around us, then we also need to distribute the power over those uh, over the software to make sure that uh, this distribution of power is not just in the institutions, but and and they all depend on the same people supplying the software to them, and they can take decisions. But it's important that all these institutions can also make their own decisions and that you have a distribution there between the institutions and between all the users out there. So there is no central point where someone can decide what can all the people out there do and what are they not allowed to do with technology. This is very close to an original statement I read ages ago from a guy called Richard Stallman. Um, maybe now is the time to go back in history a little bit and to go into a little bit of detail where the FSF and, of course, subsequently the FSFE came from and mm -hmm. the overall mission behind what is pretty close, A, to my heart and B, almost, I'm tempted to say, to communism. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about distributing knowledge, power, ideas, and that ideas should be free, so should be software. Hmm. I mean, so first of all, I, I'm I'm not sure. Um, to my memory, Richard didn't bring up this relation with the distribution of power. So uh, I mean, his main argumentation there is that users should be um, should be empowered. But he and it's more about like uh, he he connects a lot of those uh, topics to the freedom of speech. So that's why also a lot of times it was like free software, free as in free speech, not as in free beer. It's one of the uh, explanations which was uh, which he did there. Um, I I think it's it's uh, free software is something which you cannot put into one of the other um, systems like uh, communism or capitalism or. Uh, liberal uh, liberalism, or uh, I, prob uh, I probably should have added the caveat: communism is, of course, my personal interpretation of the matter. <laughs> But then I'm a communist at heart, and sorry about the oversight. Sorry, go ahead, Matthias. Yeah, so so I, I think it's uh, it's something where um, it is about empowering the people, the users, to do what they think is is the right thing to do so that that they can uh that they are not restricted by software but that they uh, they can change the software to what they want to do and not have to do what someone else decided through the software what they have to do and so that is something which fits into the thinking of many different people i mean there are uh, there are people who identify themselves as communists who say that well Free software that's that's fitting there. Um, you can uh, you can talk with people who say yeah they they are they identify as capitalists and say free software uh, that's important because there you really have a market and it's not like when you when you bought one uh, product A B or C that afterwards you are in a, 
uh, a service monopoly on on what you have and that uh, free software is important for a free market with competition um, less monopolies uh, so you, you see this you have other people arguing that uh, free software is the solution for uh, anarchism um, you have others who who connect free software to different religions and explain you why if you believe in this religion free software is the right uh, thing to do so I think it's 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 really difficult to to put free software in in one of those boxes. So does that make sense? <laughs> it does it does indeed. Yes. The thing is that there is something called the OS the OC uh, sorry the open source initiative in terms of the definition of open source. Maybe for for some of our listeners who are not familiar with the with the, with the OSI definition maybe we should touch upon this briefly because I think the FSF and the FSFE and the OSIs share certain goals in, the, in that respect. You mentioned some of the aspects already. Full teaser, there's, there's an upcoming episode. Oh, there was an, there was an episode, exactly. There was an episode about two episodes ago on, 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 on open source licenses. For those mm -hmm. people who missed this, maybe Matthias, now is the time to, to recap some of the OSI goals for open source software. Okay, so, I mean, there are, I would say, three different definitions uh, out there um, about free software or uh, open source software. And um, so the, the free software definition mainly says, uh, explains it in a way uh, that I am doing, like that you can use, study, share, and improve a software, and you have those rights to do those. And if one of those uh, rights is missing, then it's not free software. Then, um, so this, this term was introduced in 1983 and then afterwards developed uh, into those, uh, four freedoms, uh, in a definition that's, uh, maintained by the Free Software Foundation or sister organization. And then you have an organization like the, uh, like Debian and the Open Source Initiative. And they have a longer explanation about what is free software or in their case, uh, they, they call it then open source software. And uh, that's then a longer list. And I have to say, <laughs> um, I have always, I, I always had difficulties to remember all of those points. <laughs> so um, that's, that, that's something which is, I, I think, uh, always difficult to, to remember a longer list of, of um, things you have to um uh, how, what exactly is, is, um, how exactly it is defined. So, but the, the, the OSI definition, it's mainly that you have a free distribution. The source code is available. You have, uh, you can do derived, derived works. Uh, there's an integrity of the author source, source code. There is no discrimination against persons or groups. There is no discrimination against fields of endeavor. There is a distribution of license uh, of the license. The license must not be uh, specific to a product and it must not restrict other software and uh, the license must be technology neutral. So those are the, the, the 10 points there. But uh, I have to say <laughs> most of the time I have to look them up uh, because sure. I, I can't remember those 10 points. It's in the end something that uh, is is something that is also included in those four freedoms of the free software definition. Mm. 
And uh, so I, I think it's, it's way easier to, to, uh, to remember like you study, share and improve and then deduct from that, that everybody is, um, can for any purpose without any restrictions, uh, without reading or agreeing on any license term, use the software. Uh, you can share the software without limitations and help others or do that also for the self-benefit by uh, making money with it. You can uh, study it, analyze and discuss uh, the software. And uh, for improving it, you can modify and adapt to fit your and others' needs. So it's in the end, it's it's then deducted from those from those four points. And um, to get back to that, I mean, the, the Free Software Foundation uh, mainly then Richard Stallman defined those, uh, those freedoms there. And, uh, then later in 1998, the open source initiative was founded and, uh, they wanted to find a term for free software that they can better, um, better use when they uh, are talking in the commercial context. And, um, so that was brought up as a marketing term for free software. Okay. That's why um, um, we also use those two terms. They are synonyms for for the same software. So I mean, when when the FSF and and the uh, the OSI look at the different licenses, and uh, the FSF looks, is this a free software license? And the OSI will ask the question, is that an open source license? They will always, almost always, come to the same conclusion. There are very few. Uh, times when there was a different decision there about licenses, which honestly, I think don't matter. So an interesting trade, and that has been very insightful, Matthias, but an interesting trade of this whole setup is the unrestricted use of software of, sorry, of, of free and open source software. I should add. Um, there has been a little bit of controversy over the last five to seven years around this. Hmm. Few companies, for example, came up with something called the Common Clause. Hmm. And the subsequent, well, for what of a better expression, controversy to avoid the term, to avoid the term shitstorm, uh, tells its own tale. Any thoughts on this? So, I mean, as long as uh, the FSFE was working on these topics, we saw that, I mean, first there are more and more companies understand why free software is good for them and how they can benefit by using free software and uh, by by basing their products on free software. And um, then some of them, they they are running into some problems about the about their business models. So, I mean, one of the the big advantages I see with free software is that you have to be very good and you have to be really good at fulfilling the user's uh, demands uh, that people stick with you. So, and, um, and then uh, it's, it's easy. Other people can set up competing offers to what you are doing when, when you're doing free software. And um, so I can understand that there are some, some companies who then try to include other, um, clauses, uh, other re restrictions to the software so that it's easier for them to make money with the software. And, um, yeah, the problem there is then when, when this is done in a way which is, um, which is then 
restricting those uh, one or some of the rights uh, which should be there in a free software license. And uh, so that's why why then there is this this problem then uh, that there is then software out there where they say it's it's free software, it's open source software. While when you have a closer look, you will then find out that some of the terms in their licenses uh, restrict some of those uh, rights you would expect to get from a free software license. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there are, uh, as, as Chris mentioned, we have a episode on, <laughs> on open source <laughs> licensing. But um, I mean, the, the, the point is uh, kind of twofold, right? Is one is is uh, organizations making money of free software because it's available, it's it's free, and or in terms of your definitions. Um, but by the other token, the, uh, the 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 development of those software products or, or projects, whatever you want to, uh, def- however you want to define them, um, mm. th- those don't benefit uh, nearly as much from those. Uh, and so the the point I'm trying to, I'm making here is really that there isn't much of a um, uh, financial incentive for the actual developers themselves, except when a project or a piece of software is is being uh, productized and and uh, monetized through through an organization right um so so how do you see that you know we had several people talking on this subject as well as how, what your um opinion was on how this could be more sustainable in in in, in mm-hmm. terms of keeping those projects going and to the quality level that they they need as well right mm. so, i mean just to to clarify on that point the the fsfe we always encourage people to ask for money for what they are doing. Uh, so if you are developing uh, free software, we think it's 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 good for the sustainability if you can base hmm. a business model on this so that you are paid for it, so that uh, the work of maintaining a software over a longer time, uh, that, that you can actually do this, that you uh, that you have the resources to, to work on yep. this for a longer time. We have seen that way too often that uh, some people started something, it's included in all kinds of solutions. A lot of larger companies uh, depend on this software, uh, but there, there is no, um, it's not, not made sure that uh, people actually have the time to, to work on those and make sure that they, they, that they are probably maintained for how that software is used meanwhile. And um, I, I think the, one thing I, I often notice is that that people confuse free software or open source software with business models. And uh, you, you often hear people talking about the open source business model. And I think we, we should really clearly separate there. Free software, it's not a business model. Um, neither is open source. You have business models that work with free software or open source software. Um, and which of those work and work not, that depends on many different other factors. In general, mm-hmm. I would say that all business models out there, except selling licenses, work for proprietary software as well as for free software. Depending on the exact case and the um the specifics of a certain area, some things were better and some things work worse. 
and uh, it's it will always be the case that uh, this, it's not about it's it's not so much about the software and if you publish it under under a free software license or under a proprietary software license, which will decide if you will be successful or not. But there are many, many different factors if you will be uh, successful with your business or not. And uh, I, I think that's something which I think it's good if if, if you clearly differ between those things. Um, just because you, you publish some software under a free software license does not mean that people will throw money at you. And neither does, uh, even if you have a very cool software solution for a problem, it doesn't mean that you will get money for that. There are many different factors. Uh, and even if you do everything right, uh, you might, uh, you might fail while someone else at another time in, in history will afterwards be rich. And uh, so I, I think that's, that's one of the things that's very important not to not to confuse free software as a um, software model of what rights you get with business model or a development model yeah that's a, that's a nice explanation there um i mean I it, that kind of ties in a little bit to the um the point one of our previous guests made is is uh that some of the funding for uh, these projects should come from uh public money uh, and i think you you've got a similar kind of uh project going yourselves at the fsfe at the moment yes so um we, we started the campaign framework public money public code um and there our goal is that publicly financed software should be published under a free software license so we believe that if money from taxpayers is used to develop software afterwards everybody should benefit from that again and uh, so there are several other benefits there as well that for example public administrations can better work together so you might also then have some some tax savings there um, by by not developing everything up from scratch again and the, the most important point there is that um, they should be more uh, sovereign about their own infrastructure and should be able to to um to decide what they as uh, as a public institution want to do and n based on their considerations and not just uh, about what what veto or what what decisions might be prevented from some other uh, company just because they are developing the software and um, yeah so we have this uh, public money public code campaign and uh, the um, when you go to publicco.eu, there is uh, an overview of the different arguments why why we think that uh, publicly financed software should be published as free software. We have uh, videos there in several different languages, which can be used by uh, organizations or individuals out there to promote free software in the in the area of public administrations. There is uh, there are some other resources like uh, a brochure for um, people who are more interested than decision makers who want to know more about free software, you can hand that over to them. You can order those uh, brochures from us uh, as well. They are available in some languages. And um, and there is also an open letter so to, to ask uh, decision makers to implement this. So to all of those uh, here listening. Uh, so I hope that afterwards all of you sign 
signed this open letter and we have those uh, three or was it two listeners, uh, two signatures more. <laughs> <laughs> how, many, how many are we looking for? Yeah. <laughs> so, Indeed. yeah. And uh, the, the, the idea with this is that we, we are providing, um, resources so that every group out there around the world who wants to promote for this and every individual who wants to approach their, their school, their university, their, their library, um, their local public administration and so on that they, that they have resources available to make it easy to, to do this. Um, we also, we offer like workshops for, for people to understand how to best work with those resources. And, um, so the idea is that we want to empower all the others out there to further promote free software in this context. Interesting topic. And of course, the links uh, to that particular uh, letter will be in the show notes, rest assured. Um, changing tax slightly. Richard M. Storman, who's of course one of the founding fathers of the movement, let's put it this way, has been under, uh, what's the diplomatic way of putting this, under a little bit of controversy lately. And I'm not talking about the controversy about Linux versus GNU slash Linux, but rather, <laughs> but rather the Epstein, um, how can I put this, uh, controversy and the subsequent <sighs> signature list on GitHub about kicking him out of the FSFE, FSF and, and then subsequently, of course, the reinstantiation of said Mr. Stormont on the board of the FSF. Maybe given the fact that the FSFE has issue, has issued a statement, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on this, also including maybe perhaps uh, the background, because I'm not too sure if all of our listeners know about the controversy, and also perhaps shed some more light on the background of the FSFE statement on this uh, controversy. Okay, yeah, very difficult <laughs> to do that in, in a few words. Take your time. So, um, so yes, we, so Richard Stallman, the year before, the year before he he stepped down after there was a, a public contro uh, controversy. I think it's it's still something which. Uh, Many different people have different understandings what this was about, and uh, it's it's very difficult to explain that. But uh, I, I think that's something where where some people might have to do their own research and make up their own mind why why that exactly happened. And uh, then after he has resigned from from the board, uh, then in in March this year, he announced that uh, he will he joined the FSF board again. And um, that was something which we ourselves just learned through uh, the public announcement by Richard Stallman um, that he is part of the board of directors again of our sister organization. And uh, while we, we disapproved this step, uh, which for, for us also came as with, without any message of, remorse or, or willingness to to change or like acknowledging what what happened there and how people felt about that and um 
so that that was something which was then in inside the FSFE. Um, we had we had very long discussions about all of that, and uh, I have to say that the, the statement we put out there, which you find on fsfe.org/news, search there for a statement on on Richard Stallman. Um, it was quite some effort to to phrase something in a way where in the end everybody could could say i i approve this and i'm fine that this is our position so that's also why <laughs> this is really difficult for me now to uh to say that again in my own words uh, as as that was really something where where we were arguing about uh, different words at different uh, how to say this exactly where to put the commas and so on so it's 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 really difficult for me to to summarize that better um i think uh, yeah it's uh the 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 main point is i mean what 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 we said then in this in this uh in this statement is that um we think it's uh it's important that you you recognize and reflect when other people were offended or harmed by your actions and uh and consider this this feedback in your further actions and that was something which we which we were missing in there and that that is something which well, we were really disappointed and, uh, well, we felt that this is harmful for the, for the FSFs and for the free software movement. I mean, there has been a lot of controversy around this, um, ranging from a self-admitting Mr. Storman that he's <sighs> bipolar is a way too strong word, but maybe borderline autistic. I don't know. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm fishing for words here. Because I am not a psychologist, and B, uh, I've only met Richards once or twice, and there are certain people who say, to my, in, in my opinion, to some extent, true, that his social protocols or his social skills are somewhat lacking. Fair enough. On the other side, his contribution to the movement cannot be underestimated because initially of course he came up with this whole notion when he was still studying at MIT looking at the source code and then coming up with the with the idea that this source code that runs machines should be free so it's it's tr it's a tricky one let's put it this way and i fully understand that there are I, I don't know what the what the current number is, but the last time I looked at the at the at the signature list on on GitHub, they were kind of clocking in at maybe five, maybe six six digits. So um, mm. the 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 controversy runs high even in the community. In the community, so I reckon, but to the best of my knowledge, he hasn't stepped down, right? So he's still a member of the FSF board that has rejoined for the time being. Yes. If I'm completely mistaken, that, yes. To my knowledge, uh, that's that's right. Yes. I mean it's just just to make uh, to to clarify in that point that uh because that was one point where I think several people might have misunderstood uh our statement a little bit. So the uh contribution Richard Stallman made for the free software movement 
especially in the beginning on defining the four freedoms and uh, explaining all of the different um, topics in his several articles. That's something which uh, that's, that's, that's why this, this movement was started and uh, it's, it's a, a huge value. And I think that that's something which, I mean, at least for the FSFE, I know it, but also several people who, who uh, signed one of those statements, they, they, they see this as something that, uh, that is a huge value there. And um, it's also, I mean, for, for myself, I mean, his, his writings, they have, have been the reason why I was convinced that this is such an important uh, topic that I want to dedicate a large amount of my, of my life to, to work on those issues and uh, help to improve society on, on this and make sure that, that uh, the users are empowered there. And so, so that's something which is, uh, I, I think you, you cannot under, underestimate the, the significance he had uh, for the um, for the free software movement and for for the future of uh, of our societies um, by having started all of that and um, i think what what we see there is is a bit the issue about um how how co how much connected our ideas and um actions of people in one area with uh, like with the with the person and other personal views on other topics i mean you you also see that sometimes in debates about like there there is a, a great picture and people love that picture and it's displayed in all museums uh, but then uh, there is uh, there is some information about what that uh, artist also did beside painting that picture and then there is a discussion about what what should be done there is that is it is it now something that uh, all the things that person did in one area is that now all wrong because uh, uh, because the person did something in in another area which uh, several people disagree with? Um, what what do you do there? I mean, it's that's one one of the issues that's for true for so many people who defined important ideas. Uh, started important movements in our society that you later learned or even still at the time learned that in, in some other areas of life, they, they behave in a way that you disapprove. How, how do you deal with that? That's, uh, I think a very, very difficult question. It's a, it's a very uh, interesting point in, in terms of how do you, um, you know, the, the, is the person the idea or are they two separate, right? It's sim something similar in politics or specifically in, in places like the US and, and UK to some degree is, is, you know, people are not actually voting for the party or the ideas sometimes, but more for the, <laughs> the person that's representing them rather than the other way around. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting, um, dilemma that exists in many, many areas, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I wanted to change uh, the subject a little bit because we kind of didn't really get into the story about how you uh, ended up at FSFE and what your background is. If you wouldn't <laughs> mind sharing a little bit <laughs> because it's obviously well, we already quite, touched quite a little bit on it. <laughs> well, it's an important position that you are in now. And uh, uh, yeah, how did you decide to join um, 
uh, yeah, how did it all come about, basically? So, I was uh, I was always interested in in politics, and uh, I was um, I was asking my father to subscribe to more newspapers so that I don't just get information from one of them, but that I can better make up my own mind there. And uh, my father at that time said, well, he read something about this internet and he doesn't want to spend all this money on the newspapers. So um, he will, he will get another computer with an internet connection. So uh, he bought a, a computer with a modem and uh, through that decision, I was luckily one of the first people in my, in my uh, class there who had uh, internet access and uh, I think in the inside it would have been cheaper for my father to <laughs> to subscribe to the newspapers, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So so that was the start that I um, that I uh, got this uh, got this computer, and then there was uh, a time that I got another computer uh, which wasn't used by by the company my father was working for anymore, and so we had two computers at home, and I connected them with a network cable and. Um, then um, I saw that there are email programs on both of those computers. And I thought like, hey, it would be cool if I could send an email to my brother sitting at the other computer. And I was not able to do that. Also, there were the email programs there without connecting to the internet. I was not able to send a message from one of those computers to the other. And um, so I complained at school. And there was actually one person who said like, I have something for you. And at one of the next days, he brought me some CDs and floppies. And that was then my first uh, GNU Linux uh, distribution. So I I installed that. It took me quite a while with this friend on the phone. And uh, after some time, I was able to boot up uh, uh, the system. Uh, no graphical user interface, just some white uh, fonts on some black background and... Uh, yeah, uh, it, it took me quite a while till I got the graphical, uh, uh, the graphics working. In that time, I all, already started to think that it's actually quite cool to use this. So I also sticked afterwards to a lot of terminal uh, programs there. So that that was how how I then got into this, and I I then talked a lot with uh, this friend at school about about free software. We started setting up a a local free software group. We organized um, install parties and um, then participated at free software events together. And yeah, and then yeah, over the time, I didn't realize that this whole topic, uh, when when discovering the GNU.org uh, websites and reading the the GNU GPL and reading several of the articles by Richard, then I realized that actually, I mean, this this is very political topic as well it's not just about the technology which which i loved and i mean you could learn anything you can you could have long discussions on mailing lists and so many people with so much knowledge sharing this with you that's that was incredible i thought like but it's it's also a very significant political topic and somehow at that time i thought that uh while uh, with the technical topics, there are so many people out there who help you to understand it. It's very difficult to understand the political uh, systems. And that's why at that time I decided uh, that um, I, I study um, 
political sciences. So I, I studied public at political and administrative sciences. But uh, so yeah, that was the idea that, that I start. I start with that so I can there learn this part and the other part I can continue to do that with uh, great people groups uh, on several platforms mailing lists. And um, yeah, during the studies, I, I continued with also in a free software, in a local free software user group and uh, going to conferences. And um, and then there was a time at, during the studies where you had to do a practical semester. Uh, do, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a time when I asked some Debian developers whom I know, like, hmm, where can could I go? And they made several suggestions and one of those was also there's the Free Software Foundation Europe. And uh, when I then discovered the website and looked deeper into it, I, I thought like that's the perfect fit. Perfect and, fit. Yeah, and, definitely. So I was, I was then contacting them about doing an internship and they told me, well, that's, we never had interns and there was some back and forth. There were a lot of arguments why this could not happen. And after some back and forth, they, they wrote me like, Okay, um, uh, you have been so persistent. Uh, we think we should give you the chance to at least have a job interview. And um, so, yeah, then we we met and started talking about this. And uh, yeah, after a short time, I knew that I want to do it. And uh, the president at that time, Georg Rewe, also later told me that yes, uh, let's take this opportunity. And then, so I ended up then um, working in Hamburg in his uh, one room apartment. I was sitting at the sofa. He was sitting at the desk next to the, next to the bed because there was no office of the FSFE at that time. And yeah, I started with the internship and then afterwards FSFE said like, it would be great if someone could do some lobby work in, in Berlin, we don't have someone there. And then I moved to Berlin and continued my studies there and worked as a volunteer for, so, so when I joined as an uh, as an intern, that was in 2004 to 2005. Then I uh, volunteered for some years, and in 2009, I was then employed and started the the Berlin office. Yeah, amazing so because I, people, yeah. you heard it here first. One of the most influential people on a European level looking after free and open source software is still a hacker at heart. No wonder, <laughs> no wonder Matthias, full disclosure, the last, the last time we met in person, that was actually the, the, the FSFE hackathon at the CCC in Frankfurt, right? About mm. two years ago or something. You remember yeah. when, when, when basically when we when we get when we all gather in in that office, including Michael Weimer. Michael, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> full still full marks. And then basically when we when we ventured outside and got that pizza, remember with the cheap red wine that that the, that the place threw in for free, <laughs> and you were wondering about receipts and stuff. <laughs> it was me. Yeah. I can't is, remember. Is, is, is this where you want to cut the story short for what happens next? <laughs> I, 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 have, I, I don't remember the specifics at the, at the moment, but uh, that, that I take care about the receipts. That it, it, it makes sense, uh, even if I don't remember. I mean, yeah. all of all of the all of the other VIPs of the FSFE were there for this for this website hackathon. I think that was 2019 or 2018. I can't even remember. But uh, yeah, I mean, we picked the place, and it was the, of course, Cars Computer Club in in Frankfurt. They sponsored the venue, and about what twenty, maybe thirty people turned up, 
And yes, there must be a photo because it was the day of the of the of the towel, right? It was Global Towels Day or something. And oh. that was the first. If you remember, that was the that was that was the photo we took before it all started to go south or whatever you want to call it. As people really chucking in in terms of producing lines of code for the FSFE website. But tripped on him lane. Martin, I'm sure you had another question too. <laughs> No, no, I was interested in what happened after the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from, we cannot disclose this, of course. <laughs> usually, yeah. usually after the pizza, I mean, at the webatons I participated for the FSFE web team. Uh, they most of the time then continue to uh, either work on those topics or at least discuss this or discuss other free software topics in the evening. So I think till, I left till very lately. Yeah. I think I left around midnight or something, but still, people were still walking on the website. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's something which, uh, I mean, for me is one of the, the greatest things doing, working for the Free Software Foundation Europe that, uh, we as an organization, we have a large community with so many volunteers who, who spend so much time on, on those topics. And, uh, I mean, then be, being in the position of doing this in a full-time capacity, then uh, being paid for it, uh, that's that's such an honor. Uh, then seeing how many people then do this in their free time and spend the evenings or the weekends uh, working for for those goals together, that's that's something of yeah one of, one of the parts for in in my work, which is the, the most. Uh, yeah, fulfilling part there that uh, we we have so many people who who constantly work on those topics for such a long time and even even in times when I mean I think one one of the one of the things in the FSFE's work is that uh, it's very difficult to get fast successes. So a lot of the things we we work on it it depends on long term work and being patient, being persistent. Uh, and, uh, so that, that's something which, um, yeah, which needs also some certain kind of, of person to, to, uh, spend so much time over a longer period to, to accomplish uh, things there. And, uh, I mean, there are also, of course, there are some activities where you can also participate without investing too much time. But I mean, there, there are so many within the FSFE who, I would like to see a counter of the of the work time there. It's it's incredible how much some some contribute there. So I mean, granted, without these volunteers, the FSFE would probably be a different place. Um, normally, we do the call to action at the very end. But Matthias, if you if you want to pitch the FSFE in about membership, in terms of no, you don't have to be a member. But <laughs> if you want to contribute work, Matthias, now is the time. Go ahead. Yes, so I mean, f for us, uh, it's it's really crucial to have uh, people contributing. And as as you said, it's uh, I mean, the FSFE would be a completely different organization if we would just be staff doing some work for free software. We we are doing this work in in that way because there are so many different uh, volunteers with so many different backgrounds contributing there. Um, their part to to make uh, this successful, and so that's why, if you now give me the opportunity, uh, 
Absolutely, go if ahead. If you want to, please please go to fsfe.org slash contribute and uh, and see what of those things there is something you you could you could envision to to work with us, uh, be it uh, I mean just subscribing to the news and further distributing them or um, spreading the word by ordering some uh, promotion material, sending, giving, spreading that in your local community at your school or university, or put that in the library. Um, join our local meetings, discuss free software topics with others who are interested in that, or join us at at uh, when we give speeches or when we have booths and discuss topics with us. Give us feedback there. Um, Join one of those local groups or hackathons with the like the, the web team, as you just mentioned it. It's something where um, the, the website, it's very important for us to, as it's often the first thing people see when they when they haven't heard about FSFE before. So our, our web team really needs needs help there. Uh, we have a large team of translators and proofreaders. So uh, we want to make sure that all the information we have out there is available for people in their mother tongue so that even uh, so that also the people who who don't speak english at all or not so confident that they can also understand what free software is about so that's very important uh, to to help us there and uh, yeah there are several other points how you can how you can participate there and um so f for us the, the the most valuable thing you can do is that you actually participate And if you don't have time for that, then the next most valuable thing for us is uh, to become a supporter and financially support us so that we can pay the people who are working for the organization so that uh, some of the tasks which uh, which have to be performed can then be done by, by paid staff. Very interesting, very interesting. Uh, because without these volunteers, the FSFV wouldn't survive us, I, I suppose. So it's, it's, it's almost good to see that people simply, simply chip in. And needless to say, as, as Matthias just said, you don't have to be a techie. As a matter of fact, the first people that I ran into here <laughs> in the Rhein-Main region, as in the FSFE Rhein-Main, which is the local organization here in, in the, in the Rhein-Main area, that was actually a, Guido is a primary school teacher or secondary no. school, but I'm dead sure that he's a teacher. No, he's he's actually not a teacher, but he he um, coordinated our education activities for a long I time. I thought so he, he was a teacher. Maybe I'm um, wrong. No, he's he's working for um, uh, for for another institution, so okay. not not connected to to uh, education facility. But um, yeah, he was always very interested in this. How how can we make sure that children learn how technology works, that they don't just get some product uh, uh, training, uh, that they understand that they can actually shape um, shape the the world around them, so that they should not be educated to be just passive cons consumers of technology, but that technology is there to to fit their needs that they can actively shape how this will look like and uh, change things to fit their vision of, of a future. So that, that was very important to him. And that's why he was, uh, what he was uh, always summarizing what was, uh, what is happening uh, about free software and education posted uh, news uh, updates about this for a long time. So, and uh, then afterwards he was then also setting up this local group in, the Rhein-Main area, 
but uh, he, he's not he's actually not a teacher interesting so. i thought he was maybe i'm wrong i'm getting old but the bottom line is actually people if you want to get involved just check out the website there is a local organization very close to you and all of I, these local organizations i think are listed on the website right right yes yes you 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 find them on the website then and if there is none then uh, i mean one of the advantages at the current time is that our local groups they all meet online at the moment so um, while it has a lot of disadvantages at least there is disadvantage uh, to to um to join some of the groups and see what they are discussing there and uh, meet meet others uh, who are who might be like minded as you and what how a future should look like and then see what what you can contribute there and yeah, beside the the local groups, I mean, as I said, there are also other other groups there uh, working on different topics. I mean, we did not yet go into all the other areas of work where we um, we de we are depending on on volunteers. Um, I mean, if uh, there there are volunteers at the moment working on uh, the relation of artificial intelligence and uh, and free software, and we we published an article about that just. Uh, a few weeks ago. So if you are interested in this topic, get involved there. Uh, we are at the moment uh, working a lot about router freedom in, in Europe so that you can choose your own router and the ISP cannot decide about that. And so we are working with many different organizations in the different EU countries there. So if, if, if you hear about that, please check out our website and see what might be the status in your country. We have an activity package there, what you can do to, to help us to promote the idea of a route of freedom in your country at the moment. There are, uh, there are other activities like uh, Free Your Android, where we want to help people to, to um, have a mobile phone with as much free software as possible. So that's all something where you can get involved. And uh, yeah, m many different other activities uh, which you you might want to get engaged in. Yeah, that sounds 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 great. I mean, uh, presumably, uh, the router freedom and um, and phone freedom are are some of the things that people touch every day. But um, if we you know, if, if to bring your message to a uh, the, the biggest possible <laughs> audience and and into the future, I guess is um, are you doing much with with schools in terms of educating um, people there and what? Um, because obviously, you know, the kids today they use their their proprietary <laughs> stuff quite a lot. Let's put it that way. Um, so, is there a, a a big job to do there still? Do you reckon? And sorry, be, be, before before you answer that, Matthias, I, I just want to chip in. Freeing your local robot <laughs> is always a good idea in terms of Android. Sorry, go ahead, Matthias. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we, for for the um, in the education area, uh, in the last time there was a less activity than I would wish that the FSFE is doing, and uh, so if if people are interested there, I. That would be really great because I mean that's that's the that's the downside of course with uh, um, that sometimes there are people who are dedicated they work on something and then there might be some some circumstances that they don't have as much time anymore and if you then don't have a, a larger group working on the topic it could happen that um, yeah the 
the work uh, an organization can do on a certain topic then also decreases. And that's, that's the point there that, uh, I mean, uh, FSFE depends a lot on, on, on people who say that this is an important topic for me and I want to invest time into this. And uh, now with, uh, with the education area, if you're interested in this, uh, reach out to us <clears throat> so we can see what, with, with your motivation, what you would like to do and with the skills you have, what, what can be done there. We have one um, activity which is tailored for uh, teenagers and children's um, which we will start uh, at the end of the year. And, uh, but that's, that's something which is at the moment still in the, in the phase of, uh, further defining exactly how to do that. But yeah, there's something upcoming there. One of the best ways to, to make sure that when you're interested in this area, that you know when this is starting is that you go on fsfe.org and then there is a, a blue box there where you can subscribe to our email updates and then you will receive updates from us, not like every day, <laughs> not like every second day, but uh, some messages like once a month, sometimes two or three times a month, uh, something like that. And uh, then you, you will not miss it when, when there are some, some updates there and uh, there's an activity where you can participate. That's great. Thank you. So, sorry, Chris, did you want to ask the, um, uh, the question about the... Uh, future of the FSFE. I was just going, yeah, I was just yeah. going there actually. <laughs> Thank you for the hint. Um, Matthias, given, given the short time span that, that the FSFE has been around, let's put it this way, joke aside, where do you see this going uh, in the next, say, 75 years or maybe even longer? Mm -hmm. So, I, I am really bad in predicting the future. <laughs> so, um, I, I think that one of uh, the crucial points will be if, um, if we accomplish it, that people will understand that software freedom is a crucial freedom for our society and that it's equally important as other freedoms we have in our society, like freedom of speech, Uh, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, so that uh, software freedom is also one of those rights which, which is essential in a in a society which is depending more and more on a digital infrastructure. And I think that's that's something which uh, in the next, when you now say 75 years, that's definitely a perspective where I think we should ensure that um, This is codified also in the constitutions, in the laws of the different countries that this is a human right, that you are allowed to use the software for any purpose, that you can study how it works, talk and discuss with others about what is in this software, that you share it with others and that you improve it uh, and adapt it to your own needs, that this is something which is crucial and uh independent of all the other activities uh, we are doing and all the other fights we are doing there, I think that's one of the most crucial points we we have to achieve. And uh, definitely one of the things where um, 
for the FSFE, I, I want to continue to work that people realize that this is uh, an important step uh, societies should go and uh, and that they then actually implement this. Interesting perspective. Um, especially if that software has been funded with public money, of course. <laughs> As in everybody's a taxpayer at the end of the day, right? So, <laughs> yes. Matthias, is there any question that we haven't touched upon that you maybe want to elaborate before we close this off? So many topics. Uh, I, I would say, I mean, uh, if one of the listeners has another question which we didn't cover here then reach out to us and uh, so uh, we have uh, on this contribute page there are several channels you can use to discuss uh, different topics as i said uh, you can subscribe to to the updates there the uh, fsfe also does a podcast with uh, topics around free software so um, sign up to those channels to to uh, get more information from us. Browse on our website, and if if you have questions, reach out to us. Reach out to the local groups if there are any close to you or to the teams working on this. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably the, the best there. To I, I cannot predict what questions might all come up uh, for you. So just just do it do it this way and reach out to us and uh, start a discussion with us. Should you be interested in open source and free software? And needless to say, if you sh if you weren't, you wouldn't probably be listening to this podcast. Matthias, that has been more than interesting. Thank you very much. Martin, any f yes, we have to do poxes. Martin, you want to go ahead and explain what a pox is? Oh, yes, of course. Yes, we do this with all our guests. And uh, we're not going to ask you what, what your favorite... No yes. <laughs> <laughs> not going to ask you what your favorite Linux editor is, but uh, instead, <laughs> um, the Pox of the Week is basically a uh, an event, a, um, a movie, a film, a book, a piece of software that you came across in the last week that has really impressed you in one way or another. Let's put it that way. So anything oh. goes... Anything goes. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm I'm now really disappointed. Uh, uh, that, you can uh, also mention your favorite Linux editor if you want to. <laughs> but only if you've used it in the last week. <laughs> well, actually, I I just used it this morning to confirm that uh, that I I will be there with you and we can do the recording. So um, yeah. But I, I will I will now not talk about um, the editor of the beast and um, instead as as you asked me uh, I I'll, I'll go and and choose a book uh, which I uh, recently read and uh, this week already recommended three times again and the weeks before also recommended several times and which I already now. Uh, bought as a gift and sent it to several people so i uh yeah it, it's not about free software directly but it's about the uh um the unders yeah how how do you say that it's 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 about the your understanding how other people are and uh, so the, the the book is uh, it's by rutger Breckmann. it's uh, called humankind a hopeful history. 
And uh, so that that's something which uh, I think if if you're working for free software and if you are in in whatever way you are contributing for for free software, writing free software, uh, translating, um, maintaining, promoting, documenting, and so on. So whatever you do there, uh, I think it's 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 a really great book to to uh yeah um help you see why it's good to share information with others because the others around you are are good people most of the time that has been more than insightful matthias and of course the links will be in the show notes martin what's your pox mm, uh following on from my previous pox <laughs> uh i'm happy <laughs> Having moved on from, from Live on Mars, we have Ashes to Ashes next, which is set in the 80s. So similar, similar. This theme. is close to the Handmaid's yeah. Tale, right? <laughs> Not quite. No? Okay. <laughs> Links, of course, will be in the show. Notes. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> what about yourself? First of all, full credits have to go to the Great British, sorry, slash UK Met Office for bringing in the summer early, because apparently we now have a prolonged period of absent rain in the UK, at least two days where the sun has been shining and temperatures were above 10 degrees centigrade. So Met Office, if you're listening, full marks. And of course, the second box that I have is actually a guy called Karl Marx, funny enough, who wrote a very important book called, in German, Das Kapital. If you would translate this, you would end up at the capital, which of course doesn't translate because that would be the central city of a country. So um, links will be in the show notes. If you haven't read this, people, um, please do. If you're interested in the central idea of communism and why this is important to some extent. And unfortunately, Carl, at the time of writing, wasn't aware of free software because the whole thing hasn't hadn't been invented yet. We were looking at, what, 1800s or something? Sorry, in 1900s, right? If I'm not completely mistaken. So uh, Industrial Revolution time frame, but it's still worth a read because the philosophy behind this text still applies. And with that, I would like to o thank... Also, I, I think yes. you should mention, <laughs> I mean, ha having read parts of it uh, during my studies, it's... It's not the easiest read. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. And uh, if if you if you manage to um, read in German, full marks to you. Of course, translations are available, but uh, yeah, there's a little bit of a learning curve involved. So, but it's still a valid text for any ph philosophical background about the whole movement in terms of why goods should be distributed and all the rest of it. And don't mind the few flaws of the first implementations. As in software, that it takes a few iterations, <laughs> yes, to get it right. But apparently people are still working on this. Jokes aside, no, Matthias, thank you very much for being on the show. Indeed, Martin, you want to, yes, thank you, you want to, that's great. Yeah. You want to close it off? Okay, cool. No, thank you very much, Matthias. It's, I think the FCV is doing some brilliant work here and uh, I'm sure there'll be lots more to come in the future. And, um, by that, uh, thank you. Thanks to the both of you, and uh, thanks a lot to all the people out there contributing to free software. This is the Linux In-Laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay for the madness. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening. This podcast 
is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license, tap Attribution Share Alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margo, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under Creative Commons at Jamando, a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. <laughs> Given the fact that all all these all this all all these events are now happening virtually, <clears throat> it's yeah. hard to to attend in person. I mean, once for example, Fostum is back in swing, isn't kind of uh, taking place in Brussels. The idea is actually to bribe Martin's wife so that he gets loose for a weekend and can travel to Brussels, and that's probably the first time we're going to do a podcast actually in person on site. Yes, yeah. date to be confirmed. I mean... <laughs> Yes. And, and it's still it's still not sure if if Fostem will be the first one because I mean if anything else happens again with the pandemic it could mm. we could end up and uh, they they cancel it, but I I really hope that I mean also for myself uh, <clears throat> probably Fostem will be one of the first events again then so so perfect I take this as a as a as a volunteering contribution that we can actually do the podcast then at at the FSFE stand at the booth. <laughs> I think it's not the best place to have a, a conversation where you want to understand your. It's just about capturing the, the spirit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it Definitely was worth we a try. Can, we can talk at Fossum again. <laughs> I think you are you are doing it very well. To I mean, with uh, the way how how you talk, uh, it's it's very easy for people to also do that remotely, and that's that's something where it, it's not everyone's nature that you are. Uh, naturally laughing a lot and and thereby uh, making it very a very nice atmosphere for for people to to Martin, participate. So. Our ninth listener, we just <laughs> we like just it. interviewed him. <laughs> yes, excellent. <laughs> My time. This is more than encouraging. <laughs> should, we should have recorded this bit. <laughs> Richard stepping down again. What's wrong um, with the equipment, Mister Visser? Nothing. Why? Because there was a lot of background noise when you were talking. I'm talking now. It's gone. Hmm. Did you turn off the Ethereum miners? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The police did that. You obviously haven't seen that news. <laughs> In the last half hour or whatever. Fair enough. <laughs> no, it was over the Excellent. weekend. Okay. Hmm. So the the wife couldn't do it, but the police could. Excellent. <laughs> Nice one. You know, seen that. That's, 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 that's the one. I wonder. I'll send you a link. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, all the cryptocurrencies took a big hit recently. Oh, it changes all the time. Yeah. 
It does, yes. It's not for the faint-hearted, let's put it this way. But then I only lost 20 million euros, so that's not an awful lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not too not, sure not, about it's, you, it's though. Not, it's not too bad, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I hear, I, I hear danger coming up in terms of <laughs> lame humor and stuff. Don't, don't, don't worry, you can always cut this out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's precisely what I'm worried about, Martin. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, no Irish nurses, no, no, history, no, no. nothing. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I'm afraid not, <laughs> because that will be cut well, you'll, out. <laughs> you'll have to, you'll have to give me some other. Um... Anyway, it's all good. Don't worry. No, no, it's not, Martin. <laughs> That's the point that I'm <laughs> trying to make here. It's fine. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.